You're listening to the East Anglia Bylines podcast. My name is Jessica Walsh, and on this episode, I interview Simon Fenron, manager of the Banningham Crown Pub, who organised a convoy of bands carrying aid from his village in North Norfolk to Ukrainian refugees on the Polish border. We talk about what led him to plan the trip, the at times tumultuous journey through Europe, and the moments which have stayed with him since. As soon as I meet Simon, I find that he has the welcoming demeanour that you'd want from a publican, so it's no surprise that he manages the Banningham Crown, or that it's been in his family for 30 years, about as long as he has. He's also a new father to a five-month-old son, something which he says influenced his decision to act on what he was seeing in the news about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. He and his mum, I thought about if they were in this situation, what that would be like for them. And obviously the conclusion was not very nice at all, Um, particularly with the scenes of, you know, I think in the first few days there were images of um, fathers, you know, stood at train windows waving goodbye to their, you know, spouses um, and their children. And that just struck me straight away and I just thought if I was in that situation what would I want for them and the answer was help and as much of it as they could have um, and I think that was kind of a trigger if you like and I thought I must have to do something feel obliged to um, and before you knew it um, the plan began. Simon called the van company he uses to transport marquees when he's hosting events and they said they could provide him with a van to transport aid from the UK to Poland. It didn't take him long before he was sat in front of the fireplace in the pub, voicing his plan to his friend. Um, it was a Tuesday afternoon, so I think Tuesday the 1st um, of March, something like that perhaps. And I said to my friend, who's a duty manager here, Ty, um, what do you think? And he was like, well, I'll come with you. And before you knew it, it was two idiots in a van, going to just get loads of stuff together and go and take it somewhere useful. Simon and Ty made a post about the trip on Facebook, and the next day they began receiving donations in the pub. Soon, one wall of the room where I spoke to Simon, a long room usually packed with diners eating and drinking at lunch and dinner, was stacked high with clothes and other supplies for Ukrainian refugees. Simon spoke to the local village hall, about 100 yards from the pub, who offered to house the donations for free. And the donations didn't stop. It became clear to Simon that if all the supplies were to arrive where they were needed, he would have to source more vans. Because of the paperwork needed to go through Europe, it was difficult to organise more vehicles, but they called around, finally amassing eight vehicles in total, and enough drivers to take shifts throughout the journey to Poland. One of those drivers was Simon's dad, in his 4 by 4 just to make sure they got as much aid as possible to the border. What was it that moved you to do something yourself, rather than, say, uh, donate money or donate items to a chari- a bigger charity? So I didn't really know the answer to that at first, if I'm honest. I wanted to do something personally to help, and that just started out as a van of aid. Um, but as it grew, um, and we took the second van, it became very apparent that we had a model that worked, or certainly should work. Um, and if we liaise with the right people, if we ask the right questions, and we ended up doing so, we got quite a lot of concessions, which brought loads of fees down, actually made it almost quite efficient to do what we were doing. Um, But someone put a a finger on it, a couple of people donating, actually, um, eventually, and they said, look, we can give money to the Red Cross, we can give money to UNICEF, they do amazing work, but this made them feel like they came with us, and they felt like they could directly see how that money, how those those items they gave, would get to those people. 
you know, and we we stopped at nothing to tell that story in as much detail as possible when we got back um, through a through a Facebook post which lots of people saw. Um, and I think that people just felt like they'd personally contributed through it because we took them with us. Um, but as I say, it's not to say those other those other people do work we could never do, you mm. know. But if we can um, help and people can feel like they're helping directly, I think that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but it certainly wasn't meant to start out that way. <laughs> it was just a couple of guys in a van taking some stuff. And, yeah, we ended up in this place where um, thousands of people came along for the ride. One of those people was Andrew James, a taxi driver local to the Banningham Crown, who echoed these sentiments. You can actually see stuff happening in flesh. So you, you'll see the products go in there and you see the people going off. So it's actually going where it should go, which I think, which counts for a lot. You know, it's very hard when, you know, if you donate just money to a charity, how much actually of that money goes to the charity? Um, where if you actually see something in flesh do it, it makes a big difference, you know? Everyone's got stuff they can, you know, they can give to help. I think most people would help if there's obviously places which are accessible to, you know? Scepticism over the final destinations of funds donated to big charities may have been one reason why so many chose to donate to Simon's Convoy, but another driving factor was undeniably a sense of community, with neighbours across the continent and those in the county. That kind of sense of community seems to be um, quite strong with this story. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, There are people that came on that journey that I feel I feel attached to now you know we almost formed a family and that doesn't just extend to drivers um, that extends to everyone who was part of that and I think it, it it gave you that sense of community our little piece of this tiny island did all that mm-hmm. and there are people all over the UK doing exactly the same thing you know and it's this giant ocean but they're all made of droplets and if you get enough droplets together the impact is massive um, and Yeah, feeling very, very proud to be from Norfolk today. So with donations and vehicles ready to go, all that was left was to embark. However, 24 hours before the trip, there was a problem. Initially, Simon had planned to drive to Medica in Poland to deliver aid. However, Medica had expressed via the Polish government website that due to an influx of donations, they were not equipped to accept more at the time Simon's convoy was planning to arrive. He got in touch with a group in Great Yarmouth, who he'd been told had a highly organised system for delivering aid. The group told him to go to Zamosk, where they would help to distribute the donations to the places that needed them most. The problem that the Polish government had sort of put forward was very apparent. And the last thing we wanted to do was turn up with eight loads of stuff and for it not to make a difference. Or, you know, there to be a giant pile sort of as high as you know 10 15 meters of clothes that people were just picking through and you know we didn't want to we didn't want to cause any problems we just wanted to help so we spoke to these guys arranged it eventually um they then took our aid and distributed it to where it needs to be but we at least we could tell our donators that that's what happened rather than yet we left it by the border we're going to take a short break in part two simon sets off on the journey across europe which doesn't go quite according to plan. And it said, um, you're not going to believe what we've done. We've put petrol in our diesel van. Oh, no. (laughs) So... Don't go away. 
So the journey. The journey. Yeah. Um, It was very difficult in parts. Uh, It was harrowing in parts. It was a complete laugh in parts. The convoy set off from the Banningham Crown on the evening of Monday the 7th of March. They drove to Harwich where they caught the ferry to the Hook of Holland, sleeping in a complimentary cabin provided by the ferry company when they heard what the group were doing. This meant they could rest up and start the journey fresh in Europe. So we drove through the first day um, through, through um, obviously through Holland and then into Germany. Um, the first petrol station we agreed to fill up at, um, we sort of all met, you know, had a quick coffee, realised actually time was quite short so we couldn't stay for very long. So we all filled up um, and got on our way. About an hour later, I think, I can't remember now, but at some period of time later, um, we got a message through, sort of the, we had like a WhatsApp group where we could all sort of stay in touch with each other quite easily. And it said, um, you're not going to believe what we've done, we've put petrol in our diesel van. Oh no. <laughs> so, okay, first hurdle, three hours in, great. The van and its drivers stayed overnight in a German village. After repairs were made, the drivers delivered their cargo to an aid centre in Berlin on Wednesday the 9th of March. The rest of the convoy left that morning to head to Zamosk, um, which, as I mentioned before, obviously is that sort of hub, um, which is about 45 minutes from the border. Um, it was quite an interesting journey we went through snow we went through sleet hail massive hills um we passed convoys on the way there you know all blacked out um definitely army trucks or whatever payload or whatever they were carrying was wrapped um escorted by no less than 10 police vehicles down a down a highway it's very clear there were things happening and that happened more and more the closer we got anyway we got there um about sort of 1 one thirty. Um, in in uh, in the afternoon, and as we got there, um, on the way, we'd got a, a message from our contact at the Rotary Club saying, "Look, our first warehouse is full. Um, please, can you go to this other place? We've just quickly rented a unit to take it." And we pulled in, all sort of seven of us. We met about a kilometre away so that we could all, you know, convoy in and make sure we got to the right place. And we pulled in, and like a big sort of, uh, you know, forecourt of units either side. And said, there was a guy waiting for us and said, oh, follow me. So the rest of the vans, we just parked there. But one of us, myself and Ty, drove and followed him. And we sort of, um, we pulled around the corner and we're greeted by um, sort of someone who works for our contact um, or volunteers for him and pulled up and he's like oh you're from the Banning Crown um, oh thank you very much he sort of says just one van and we're like no no eight vans and he doesn't really understand um, bless him his English is you know is really good but um, he didn't really sort of take in what I was saying so I pointed to our van and held up eight fingers and sort of gestured at him and his face just dropped you know um, he had two cadets with him who both whipped out their phones and started making countless phone calls, um, which obviously amounted to people, you know, please come and help us. Um, and yeah, then it got quite emotional. He, he, you know, he welled up, I welled up, I cried, he cried. Um, and it was clear that we'd sort of, we've made it, you know, um, and that was quite a special moment. It took about an hour to unload the donations. Everyone was in good spirits, the Polish volunteers and cadets grateful for the help from across the continent, and Simon and the rest of the Banningham convoy riding the high of having achieved their goal. 
Afterwards, some members of the Banyam convoy made the decision to see for themselves what was happening 45 minutes away on the Polish border with Ukraine. Simon was one of them. It was about 45 minutes drive and, you know, the closer you get, um, the roads go from really lovely to a pothole, sort of every 12 to 15 inches. Um, but yeah, as we, we sort of, we get there to a place called Hrobene, or Hroben, I think. Um, uh, the easiest thing to, uh, I suppose, we, we sort of pull up towards it. And if you can imagine a valley, um, you're looking straight down. And one side you've got, um, you know, a road going in uh, and out, obviously, but out is shut or not shut, but um, is managed a different way. And it's just absolutely chock-a-block with um, lorries, vans. Um, There's police escorts going past, Red Cross vans. Um, There's a lot of stuff happening, and it's being very carefully managed. Down the left side of this road, there is just tents and marquees, as far as you can see, and just people dwelling, you know, tents, all sorts of things. And... We sort of take a minute to sort of meet, collect ourselves. And we'd brought with us this bear who we'd sort of, on our WhatsApp journey, shared its location. And at some point throughout the journey, we decided we were going to try and give it to a, you know, like a Ukrainian family, just mm-hmm. to say, as you know, to kind of round the journey off and, and maybe give a kid a smile. That was the idea. Um, and so we, we sort of approached the edge of the, you know, infinitely large um, row of tents found some volunteers asked them you know look we're from England we've brought loads of aid to a nearby town which you know you're going to get some of um, can we give this Is it, do you know anyone who might like this bear um, and they they didn't really they sort of said oh well there's a tent there you know go go and look in it and it was an aid tent and so we went in and it was just this this very dark sort of bustle um, gloom, if you like. Uh, it wasn't. I've tried many times, and I've used these exact same words when I've talked about it. Is that I've tried to find the way to describe it, and I still haven't really got to something that I think is accurate. But the the best thing I can I oh, I started sort of harrowing, and then um, dark. But that wasn't quite accurate because there's some hope in there. You know, there's people like doing whatever they can to help these people. And I just ended up as just wrong. It's just a wrong thing to see. It's just not something that needs to exist in the world ever. It's just disgusting, you know. And we went into the say tent and there's this um uh, some, there's a sort of pot of soup which someone's like continuously cooking and adding things to. There's kids um, with mums around, um, you know, and you see them. They've got their entire life in a carrier bag, and you think, if I was faced with that decision, um, what would I, what would I do? Like, how would I even go about judging what was the right thing to put in that carrier bag? How can you fathom that? Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't make any sense. You know, they've gone from uh, civilians, normal citizens, like you or I, going to work, doing what we believe, you know, being with the people we love, to you must go, and you must go now, and you can take what you can carry. Mm. Um, and the, yeah, I suppose the the thing that, that scarred me the most was there's this, uh, I can still see him now, there's this boy, no older than six or seven, and he's got... Uh, you know, a number written on his hand in permanent marker, at least I think. And to me, it looks like a phone number. I don't know. And, you know, to me, he looked alone, but I don't know. 
and he could have had family around it could have been you know an address it could have been anything but it looked like a phone number of a child that was on their own and he's washing his other hand like so he doesn't rub that number off you know and like it just didn't make any sense to me like at all and afterwards um when we got back, we actually found that we couldn't give the bear to anyone. It felt what started out as a good, well-intentioned thing very quickly became almost inappropriate. We, you know, the orders of magnitude of the problems that these people had were so much greater than a teddy bear. When the group arrived back in Norfolk, Simon was surprised to find that people were calling him and coming into the pub to ask when they'd be doing another trip to deliver more donations. So himself and the other drivers will be heading back out in early April. Uh, last night, which was the 15th, we announced we were going to go again early April. Um, and it's just now, how do we how do we top it? And not for the sake of topping it, but we've learned and we can optimise lots of things, mm. which will mean we can take more aid, you know. Um, so we're liaising with the van company at the moment, the ferry company. Um, all our current drivers, we've just sort of a day or two of trying to get the rotor, if you can think of it as that way, of how, because obviously we, we, we bonded and we wanted to all do it again um, after the demand was there. So I think we've managed to agree a date now. We've almost got everybody who went originally to go on the next, the next one, we think. So we're just still trying to work that bit out. You can find out how to donate items and money for fuel on the Banningham Crown Facebook page. Thanks for listening.